0: Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. As always, I am your host, Matt Schlichting, joined by Brian Hemminger. Brian, what's good?
1: Uh, Well, my fingers are feeling a lot better after all that typing I did this week on uh, Let's Go Tribe. So, And you know what else is good? The Cleveland Indy indians farm system rankings according to keith law
0: has he been talking about that
1: yeah that that just came out today and you know we've been saying for a while that it was only a matter of time before cleveland's farm system started getting some respect and they've been kind of getting there like i think a couple places had them you know just inside the top 10 and then today happened uh he had I mean, everybody knows Tampa Bay has the best system. Like, they have the best player, like the top prospect who's like 19 years old. Uh, They have loaded with really, really good prospects. But number two, he had Cleveland. I think, yeah, that, I mean, I was, I knew it was going to happen at some point with how young and, you know, and these players are starting to get closer, but I wasn't sure that I was ready for it to happen this quick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I guess for additional context, if anyone's unfamiliar with Keith Law, is he still ESPN's like number one prospect? He was
1: ESPN's prospect guru, like behind a paywall. Like I actually would subscribe to it just for his stuff. Um, And then The Athletic took him away. So he uh, posted his stuff for The Athletic today.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's been doing it for a long time. He's sort of thought of as not a definitive ranking for prospects. Cause I don't personally believe that exists, but if he says you have a top five system, you do. So this was nice to see.
1: Exactly. And, um, and it shouldn't be a huge surprise uh, from him, at least because I think his rankings were some of the friendliest to uh, Cleveland prospects in his top 100 as well. Uh, Let me see if I can uh, find him here, but um, how many did he have? Uh, He had Tristan McKenzie, the number 12 overall prospect in all of baseball. Uh, He had Bo Bo Naylor, number 42, uh, George Valera, 76, Tyler Freeman, 78, Nolan Jones, 86, and Brian Rocchio, 99. So I think he had... Uh, six in Cleveland prospects in his top 100, and then, boom, we get number two overall system, too.
0: Yeah, and none of those names are a surprise to us, I don't think. But it's, it's fun to see this is the moment we've been talking about, where they're getting that national recognition as, oh, what's this, a switch-hitting infielder with power who could play shortstop? Huh. Yeah, he'll play anywhere. <laughs> and we have...
1: Exactly. And... I think what's most exciting is it's not just because Cleveland has a bunch of prospects at AAA like ready to go that are like at the top of the prospect rankings a pretty good amount of them have barely played full season ball like they're like that big core is like the 2000 I think 17 or 2000 yeah I think 2017 international prospects that were signed at 16 years old that are just barely getting into the full season levels so i mean we're gonna have a top system for a while unless like every single one of these guys graduates and they just kick off the rest of the the players off cleveland's roster right now
0: so the fun thing about this for me is now that we're at this point uh, I, i feel like we can continue seeing the system grow in this way because here we are to talk about sort of the prospects that didn't make our top 20 list, but all of the guys that are on the top 20 list that are being talked about now, with the exception of your super high pedigree guys like Nolan Jones, for example, uh, started out as guys, a lot of them in their first year that were on this list when you wrote it three years ago, for example.
1: Um, I like to do this little thing called the best of the rest because you know, we do this top 20 prospect countdown And that's great. And I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things on Let's Go Tribe to do every year. Um, But, you know, we finish it out when we vote for the number 20 guy and there's 10 people to choose from. And the one guy is the one last person we write about. And then that's the end of it. So I was like, well, what about all these other guys? And then there's other people too that I didn't even get a chance to include that, you know, deserve some love. So I started doing this best of the rest article where I picked out like all of the the players that I think still have a lot of potential or have put up good numbers that maybe just don't have that elite pedigree that could. And sometimes, you know, that ends up, you know, looking, make, making me look really good. Sometimes it makes me look bad, but uh, <laughs> sometimes it makes me look really good. Like previously uh, in 2019, the last year I did this, I, I had James Karinchek on that list. Um, and then he is the future Indians closer. Now he got sixth in the rookie of the year voting last year in 2019. I had Zach Playsack. Uh He's entering the season probably as the number two starter in Cleveland's rotation. Uh, you know, several other players like, you know, Eli Morgan, Carlos Vargas uh, that have uh, become top 20 prospects, Aaron Bracco. So it's, it's exciting. It really is. And this year there were so many prospects to, to uh, to write about that, I actually split it into two articles. One for pitching prospects, so I have it kind of split between starting pitchers and relievers, and then I have another one for position players where I have it broken down between catchers, infielders, and outfielders. So I I actually over forty more prospects. <laughs> so if you are like the type of person that just can't get enough info on prospects in Cleveland system, like the future you'll want to check out these articles because they both came out the last two days and you know, they will uh, give you a lot to think about and a lot to get excited about.
0: Where do you want to get kicked off doing um, the, the overview of some of the most exciting guys?
1: Well, I'll start with the players that maybe just missed the prospect rankings. Okay. Um, like, cause we had uh, our vote for number uh, 20 and there were 10 people to choose from. And Carlos Vargas made it, the guy that throws 100 miles an hour at number 20, um, with 43 votes. And then there were a couple people that just missed it, like uh, Tanner Burns. He was our number... He was a first-round pick in 2020. He hasn't had a chance to play yet in Cleveland system because they didn't have a minor league season last year. But uh, Burns is a guy that people should be excited about. I mean, he was a, a pitcher out of uh, the SEC... Um, and they drafted him with a first round competitive balance pick throws uh mid nineties with good control, good strikeout stuff. And he was a workhorse. So this is the type of guy that Cleveland hones in on during like the type of college starter that they hone in on during the draft and that they can move quick through the system. Like, like the Valleys, like the, the, the Shane Beavers, the, the Zach play like guys that, Throw hard, have good control, and miss bats. So, so he's going to be entering this season probably starting right away in single A, like probably Lynchburg, and he's going to have uh, that opportunity to move quick through the system because uh, you know this guy has really really good stuff. He has a, a I think his slider is his best pitch. So, that's somebody that we should definitely be excited about moving forward. Um, so he would have been, I guess, if we had, if we ranked the, uh, the top 21 prospects, he may have been number 21, uh, at least with, the the LGT voters.
0: And if not for so many guys ahead of him in the system, I think he's the type of pick that in a lot of other systems would be a top 20 guy right away.
1: Oh, easily. And I think just lack of name recognition, uh, because we haven't seen him play yet, um, he probably would be a top twenty right now in Cleveland system.
0: Yeah, if he had gone out and struck out thirteen per nine in rookie ball for however many. How many innings do they usually get in rookie ball if they're coming out of a as, as a starter? Like thirty-five, forty? Uh, if that it
1: depends. Usually they'll give especially if it's a college pitcher that just already had a full college season. Uh usually they'll limit them to maybe three innings per appearance and then they'll either play. Sometimes they start straight away, or at least they would in low a Mahoning Valley and just skip the rookie ball entirely. Um, like a lot of times rookie ball is for high school prep players or late round college draft picks or international prospects that are graduated from like the DSL.
0: I guess a college guy would more likely end up.
1: Yeah, but now we don't have low A, so they'll have to make do, but, um, but yeah, no, no, Tanner Burns is definitely that type of guy. Like he he could have easily skipped. He could have went straight to Mahoning Valley last year if they had it and potentially had made it all the way to, you know, single A full season. Uh, we've had that happen quite a few times with uh, really good college pitchers. We just don't know yet because we haven't seen him in action. But I think this guy is going to be really good.
0: He could very well be another example where people ask where do all of these indians pitching prospects come from and it's like they're not in the system long enough for anybody to notice anymore by the time somebody blinks they're at akron and they're like considered a possible spot starter <laughs> it's yeah, just, that's what happened it's with bieber
1: like bieber was in the system for barely two years and then boom he's in the rotation and then the next year he's an all-star wins all-star mvp and the next year he's cy young winner <laughs> If there is one formula Cleveland has cracked, it is those college arms that they can soar through the system and make them impact arms at the major league level. And what they've been working on is balancing that with those really high upside high school arms. And so far, uh, you know, they finally got one to pay off with uh, Tristan McKenzie, uh, like because you know, the focus on quick Get the get the college arms through quick and then you know take your time with the prep arms. And so McKenzie's number one for the prep arms, but then you've still got more coming with uh, Hankins and Espino and them that you know first round uh picks that they've invested uh into you know long term as well.
0: Are there any guys that sort of fit that mold in uh the rest of our almost players? I mean Hillman was a prep are you guy talking originally.
1: about oh, are you talking about like high school that are almost? Um. Yeah, Juan Hillman was a second round pick the year we drafted Tristan McKenzie. Uh, I think most notably, he was uh, Tom uh, Gordon's godson. Yeah, that was really interesting. Like, so he actually was like his mentor as well uh, in high school. Um, So we talked about it a little bit when I did an interview with him uh, like several years ago. Um, But. He was somebody that, you know, was a top 10 prospect around the time we drafted him. His first uh, season that he got a chance to really show what he could do. He went to low a Mahoning Valley, like the year after we drafted him and he was amazing. He started the season, like not allowing any runs. He was actually holding his own with McKenzie. Uh, and then he, I think just got tired by the end of the season and his numbers ballooned. Um, but he was like a midseason all-star in Mahoning Valley. So he got promoted the next year to Lake County and he did not pitch well. I think his ERA was in the fives, Um, just struggled. I think there were some issues maybe with his, uh, at least at the time there were issues with his work ethic. Um, So they kept him at single A and his numbers didn't really get that much better the next year. So after that happened, he just dropped off all the prospect rankings. Um, But then I guess something clicked with him because last year he had the best season of his career. Uh, They promoted him to high A to start the season. He pitched the whole year, had a 3.85 ERA in his debut at high A at 21 years old. Um, Or this was 2019, not last year. Yeah, the last time we saw him. And he was a workhorse. He was consistently, you know, going six plus innings. I think he had uh, six or seven starts that lasted seven or more innings. Uh, You know, He's not going to blow people away with strikeout stuff, uh, but he's definitely somebody to, that, that's become intriguing again. So that's why I included him. Um, another one is uh, Raymond Burgos. Um, he's a guy that's been troubled by uh, injuries. He had Tommy John surgery after we drafted him. Uh, So that slowed his development, but he's a lefty that's six foot five and throws 97 miles and 96, 97 miles an hour uh, with, I think, a four pitch mix that can miss bats. The problem is he hasn't pitched above single A yet. So, you know, he's, he's somebody that could definitely be an impact arm either as a starter or out of the bullpen. And then there's Sam Hentges, who was a top 10 draft pick. Another guy that's, had Tommy John surgery. Now it seems like they've converted him as a high school arm to relief role, but hundred miles an hour as a six foot eight lefty. I mean, that's, you know, Randy Johnson levels. So that's somebody that I absolutely think we'll be seeing this year um, at some point. Um, I mean, and who knows, maybe they still think he can start, but uh, I personally think his future's in the bullpen. I mean, you, you don't get a lot of guys throwing, that hard as a lefty like it almost seems like every time you hear about a left-handed pitching prospect in cleveland system the guy will show up and he's throwing like barely 90 miles an hour and he's just touching the corners and he's just got good control and he, deception and stuff but no this guy's oh, so thomas panone <laughs> <laughs> thomas panone aaron Laffey, tj house like every single time jeremy what was it jeremy guthrie i don't know if he was a lefty or not But I mean, it just seems like every single time we've got a lefty that gets called a Brian Merritt, like they maybe hit 90 miles an hour if we're lucky. But no, this guy, he's he's a powerhouse. Yeah, those are kind of those high school guys that maybe aren't the elite prospects or maybe at one time were uh, that you should definitely be paying attention to uh, in terms of at least pitching. A A lot of our guys actually are. Uh, A majority of them are uh, college arms, both out of the bullpen and starters that have like maybe not quite got that uh, respect in terms of prospect rankings, but uh, could definitely be gaining it soon.
0: So that'd be someone like Adam Scott. Uh, I know he was a college arm. I like it was also a college arm, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Sandlin definitely is somebody that, you know, we've we've had him in the prospect rankings before, um primarily the year after he was drafted because, you know, he was a second round pick in 2018 as a he was a sidearm starter for Southern Mississippi, okay? So, and he put up video game numbers that year. I think he struck out 144 and walked 18. As a sidearm starter. I think he had one of the best strikeout rates in all of college baseball. But they immediately converted him to a reliever. And by the and when you get drafted, that's in July. And usually, if you're a high pick, you're negotiating your contract. So you don't get a chance to play right away either. And despite all that, like they had already had uh the AZL starting by the time they drafted him and signed him, he advanced from the AZL to Mahoning Valley to single A to all the way up to double A in his, the year he was drafted, (laughs) like I think across four levels. So, I mean, he was rightfully uh, somebody to be excited about. He was going to be the first person from that draft class to make it to the major leagues. Like he was on his way to make it to Cleveland in 2019. Um But he got injured in 2019, Um, so he had a delayed start to the season. He pitched well at double-A to start the year, got promoted to triple-A, didn't quite pitch as well at triple-A, and then he got hurt again, and we haven't seen him since. But don't forget about him. He is going to pitch this year at Cleveland at some point. I mean, think of him like Adam Simber that can blow people away uh, because he hits the mid-90s with sidearm movement and like he throws like three different arm angles so you no know, this is definitely somebody that's going to be an impact arm in our bullpen like he's not going to be you know the closer but he's a guy that you can reliably call on to get people out I think lefties or righties
0: yeah and that's always going to have value at the major league level if you can get guys out we don't care frankly how many batters that is we'll take it
1: another one that I think is going to be a top 20 prospect probably heading into next year is somebody maybe like uh, Cody Morris. Uh, He was a seventh round pick in 2018. They shut him down that year. So he didn't even get to play uh, the year he was drafted after they drafted him. Uh, And so he's only played in 2019 and they skipped him straight to single A Lake County. And he was throwing, I think, 98 miles an hour, just mowing people down. Um, And he got a, uh, midseason promotion to Lynchburg, so in just one season he's already advanced to to Lynchburg to high A. So he was on pace to perhaps even start 2020 at Double A, and then you know the pandemic happened. So uh, this is definitely a guy that is going to be adding starting pitching depth, and you know they don't have to add him to the you know protect him from the Rule Five draft for another year or two yet. So. Uh, I think he's going to be an impact arm, like especially if he can uh, keep, you know, improve his command because you know he drops a walk rate. Like this guy is going to be really,
0: really interesting. Yeah, that stuff goes from intriguing to dangerous. I just wanted to see: were there any other guys out of our pitchers who you felt deserved a little bit of special attention here on the podcast before we flipped over and started highlighting some of the hitters?
1: Okay, let's talk about Robert Broom. Another South or not Southpaw, but Side Armor. <laughs> this guy really intrigues me. Now he throws uh a little bit harder than like Adam Simber did, not but he's kind of in between. Like I think he t- t- top sounded about 92. But if you look at his numbers, they're insane. His entire minor league career so far, he's pitched across like four or five levels. I think he finished um 2019 and double A, but his entire minor league career, his ERA is 0. 0.9. Um, in 2019, he started the year at high A Lynchburg, and in 17 appearances, his ERA was 0. 0.36. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he got promoted to double A. The biggest, and and I've said this time and time again. The move between high A to double A is the biggest change in, uh, talent gap across any level in minor league baseball. And he got promoted to double A and made 24 appearances in Akron and his ERA was 0.96.
0: He just refuses to break the 1.0 ceiling. He's going to stay under it. It's going to be his whole career. He's going to (laughs) pitch, I think we can count on 70 innings a season for the Indians in perpetuity starting in like 2022. Is that fair? Uh, He retires in in 2042, (laughs) three war per season. Greatest closer ever. Done.
1: Yeah, well, I don't see him as a closer, but I definitely see him as a guy that you can call in, you know, at any moment, probably before the eighth inning if you need a reliever.
0: And it's just, you can't see those numbers and not get a little carried away thinking about, like, <laughs> it's the, the raw carnage he could inflict <laughs> on opposing hitters.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be exciting. And, and he has some really good movement. I think his slider is graded as his best pitch. So uh, this is somebody that should probably start the year at AAA and will have a chance to make Cleveland's bullpen out of spring training. I was actually worried that when... We made the Clevenger trade. We had like a player to be named later. I was like, it's it's going to be Robert Broom. They're just going to throw him in there and I'm going to be really pissed. And I was just so glad that they didn't do that. But there are so many more. So I highly recommend uh, checking out uh, that article if you want to see the rest of them, because there are a lot more we didn't talk about. Because if I talked about all of them, uh, this podcast would last about two hours.
0: I don't know that it would be two hours. <laughs> but, it might. It might. But yeah, I think that was a good starting place for touching on the major names on the pitcher list. And that brings us to the hitters. And right away, I- I'm looking at the article that you posted. Uh, was that what? first, what is time? Second of all, that was today. Good Lord. I have just been at this computer for like a week now. Anyway, at the top of this list, two catchers that are just... Fun. The Indians have nothing but fun catchers, it seems. And Ryan Lavastada and Yainer Diaz are.
1: I mean, we love Yainer Diaz. I mean, we talked about him so much last year. He was a consistent pick for Indian in the cupboard. He uh, just he kept a, showing up. Yeah, and he was a regular in our Players of the Week. And it's kind of difficult not to be a regular in Players of the Week when you're putting up a four fifty one, four seventy seven seven oh seven slash in uh and that was his average <laughs> so he was having moments where it was even better than that during his time in the arizona rookie league so well, that was basically his response yeah.
0: for inexplicably being in the rookie league again right
1: which I, I mean i couldn't believe that they did that in the first place he was second he he was second in hitting in the arizona uh rookie league back in 2018 Uh, I think for most of the year, he was batting over 400. Like it took a slump at the end of the year for him to drop to three, like 55 or 360 and finish second in uh, the batting title in Arizona. So, you know, this is definitely a hit first prospect. The only reason I can think that they brought him back is maybe his defense isn't quite there. Like I haven't heard a lot about his defense, um, but this guy can hit. He can hit. And he's still pretty young. Uh, so after missing the whole pandemic season in 2020, uh, uh, 20, he's still just 22. Probably, well, he will definitely be making his full season debut this year. Um, so I'm I'm assuming at least Lynchburg, which is regular single A, but he might, you know, get a shot at a high A as well. Because a lot of times they, at least I think, you know, we haven't had this situation before, but I kind of feel like they'll treat last season as long as they were working out the whole year in like the in arizona or wherever or they'll treat it like it was a minor league year that they played at we'll see though but no this guy's this guy's exciting like he's he hits really really hard
0: and so he's like the the high average catcher to be excited about and then la vistada i think is even more exciting because i just want to read it out loud Drafted in the 15th round out of Hillsborough Community College in 2018, La Vistada was converted from shortstop to catcher, and he immediately started hitting. And when I saw this, I just began to nod because what a well-worn trope. What team hasn't had a great catcher convert from shortstop and immediately begin to rake? What a weird story, am I right? <laughs> we had, we've done that a few times.
1: If you what? remember, you know Francisco Mejia wasn't a catcher when we initially signed him. We we moved him to catcher.
0: Well we and moved then he him became catcher, you know but we never turned him into a catcher, I guess. <laughs> well I'm
1: saying uh yeah but then you know he became a top ten prospect in all the baseball. I'm not saying Lavi Stad is gonna do that, but he has adapted extremely well. Like he hits like a high pedigree uh position player prospect, except now he's a catcher too. <laughs>
0: Yeah. At low A, he hit 335, 408, 483. I'm like, yeah, Yeah, I'd I'd take that to the bank from our first baseman. So if we get behind the plate, okay, I'm in. Like, where do I sign?
1: And what's exciting is when I was looking up like the scouting reports and all the other articles that I could find is this guy's been putting in the time uh, behind the plate too. So, you know, we've, Clearly got the number one catching prospect in the system in, you know, Bo Naylor, who skipped Louie entirely and had a good season as a 19-year-old in 2019. But uh, LaVistada was 20 in his first full season, not full, but I mean a half season, after being drafted, uh, after being converted to catcher, and he put up numbers like that and is now getting a little recognition for the work he's doing defensively as well no we have gritty out of nowhere excited about yeah yeah so i i really like la vistada i think he'll probably start the year at high a um and then they'll probably have diaz at catcher in single a la vistada at high a and Naylor at double a is my guess if i uh if I had my way, that's a pretty good pipeline of catching talent. Yeah, we're, we're in a good, good spot right now with catchers. I mean, and we've got a few decent depth guys, too, that can fill uh, some some roles in the meantime. And we've already still got, you know, Perez and Hedges at the major league level
0: who are probably two of the top three defensive catchers working right now. Yeah,
1: I would say absolutely.
0: Top five so. for sure, depending on how you feel about, I guess, a guy like grandall. They and what's important, consistently yeah. anymore? And
1: what's important is hearing about how hard these guys are working defensively, because clearly that's what Cleveland thinks is most important out of a catcher.
0: And it's been communicated effectively down the ranks. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that hearing that he really is working at it.
1: I mean, offense is a bonus; it is a huge bonus if you can really get one. But you know, if they can, it's a bonus as long as they're also really good defensively. And it seems like at least with Lavi Staudt and Naylor, that we've got a uh, bright future defensively as well.
0: I just think we've put in the work and we deserve a generational talent behind the plate. You know, we, we just lost that in a, in a short stop. But when was the last time the Indians had a catcher whom it was thought like, oh, he's indisputably a top three guy? Like maybe for one year, Victor Martinez, and maybe in 1997, Sandy Alomar. But other than that, has there been any? I mean, Alomar
1: won Rookie of the Year, I think, back in '91. True, so as a catcher,
0: Jan Gomes had a Silver Slugger year. I
1: think we've had we've been kind of lucky with catchers. I, I feel like you know we had uh, Sandy Alomar for you know most of a decade. We had uh, Victor Martinez, he was, which was yeah went healthy. We had Victor Martinez there for a stretch. We had Carlos Santana there, if you remember, for a stretch before he moved out. Yeah, it just feels
0: like they all kind of either move out from the plate or move out of town.
1: (laughs) It's a it's a position that's hard on on you. So uh, it's not a huge surprise when uh, a catcher is. I mean, it's more surprising when you're able to stick there long term. And then, you know, Jan Gomes kind of came out of nowhere and was really good for a while. Uh, And now we've got Roberto Perez, who's won back to back gold gloves. So I think we've actually been pretty blessed in terms of catching. I mean, offensively, it hasn't been the greatest recently, but when you're consistently catching the Cy Young winners, as Cleveland has, (laughs) I think they have overwhelmingly been getting some of the most Cy Young awards as a team across the past uh, 20 years, I would say, with. Uh, CC Sabathia, Cliff Lee, Corey Kluber twice, and now Shane Bieber. That's five.
0: I wish I knew. Yeah, I wish I knew more about the magic of catching and what goes on. How does a catcher affect the outcome of a game simply by the way that he calls the game for the pitcher and conveys like the emotion of the game to the pitcher and controls or allows them to work? Or I don't know. It's hard to not yeah. think of it as some bizarre magic trick that the catcher has to do. And that's why I guess a guy like a Yogi Berra is so fascinating.
1: Yeah. And, and that's why uh, you see a lot of catchers become major league managers too, because they yeah. have so much control over the game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's, I mean, it's not just catching a ball. I mean, you got to keep guys on base. You got to, or keep them at the base that they make, <laughs> uh, whether it's trying to pick them off or throw them out. Um, It's framing, it's scouting. So you, I mean, you're calling the game. So you got to know not just what pitch to call, but where to call it. Yeah, you just, and you have to know every single one of your pitchers. So it's a lot of work. It's more work than any other position, I think. More than any pitcher, more than any other position player by a significant margin. I mean, it is a ton of pressure.
0: Uh, Some guys who are Many of them defensive wizards, but we're hoping for probably a little bit of bat power from them. This huge crop of seemingly almost all shortstops. I, I think out of the 10 infielders here that we have listed from the article, seven of them are shortstops. <laughs> One of them is a second baseman, so Palacios is basically a shortstop. And then you have Noel and Rodriguez, who are first and third, respectively. So many infielders.
1: (laughs) And Rodriguez was originally a shortstop. They moved him to third because they didn't have room for him to play shortstop since like Marcos Gonzalez, same thing. Like, I think he got moved to third base in uh, 2019, but, you know, he was the top international signing by Cleveland in 2016 as a shortstop. Uh, Same thing with Jose Fermin. He was the top international signing by Cleveland in 2015 as a shortstop. But that year we had... Our top international signing, Gonzalez. We had our top international signing from 15 and 16, and our number one shortstop prospect in the entire system, Tyler Freeman, all in Lank County to start that year. <laughs> and they were all three making their full season debut. So one had to play third and one had to play second.
0: It's like, I swear to God, the Indians are trying to corner the market on shortstops. <laughs> it's. And they're and just going to move them as needed. But the goal yeah. is to find all of the Lindors in the world. Exactly. And then uh, another one, you know, Jose Tena uh,
1: has put up good numbers as an international signing, shortstop signing of uh, from, uh, I think, 2018 or no, 2017. Um, and then you follow that up, Gabriel Rodriguez, Junior San Quentin, Angel Martinez, all three have gotten love uh in the year they were all three taken uh, internationally or signed internationally the year after, you know, the hype one with Valera and Rocchio and Bracco and all three of them shortstops. So yeah, it's not, it's baddie. It's baddie. And then you look at, you know, their draft picks, uh, 2019, you know, Espino gets all the love, but then you draft, uh, Yordis Valdez and Christian Cairo, both shortstops. Then last year, our number one pick, Carson Tucker, shortstop, Milan Tolentino, fourth round pick, shortstop. You know, they just keep pounding more and more. And, and we don't have, we're missing at least one extra minor league team this year. So I don't know what they're going to do with them all. Like, it's going to be musical chairs on the infield, I think, every night. So Yeah. But I mean, yeah, as you said, it's just shortstop, 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 shortstop or converted shortstop. We, we we talked about that a little bit last week. I think that maybe, you know, that's just something that they think they can uh, do where Seems like either it. build up uh, a tr- trade capital, like a really good prospect that maybe they don't have room for, trade them for something that they do need. So that absolutely could happen, or they think that they can move these guys around to different positions, whether it's outfield or second or third.
0: So one of the guys on this list, Ernie Clement, I think is still technically second base shortstop, but he'll end up playing second base, I think, with the utility flexibility to fill in if somebody gets pulled or he pinch hits or something. He's a guy here who I know isn't a typical prospect in the way we think of them. Like he's never sort of been on the lists, but he's close and he doesn't strike out. And I kind of want to see him get some playing time this year in Cleveland because he's just, it's kind of, he's an intriguing dark horse candidate to make an impact this year, I think.
1: Well, if they didn't believe in him, they wouldn't have added him to the 40-man roster in the offseason, which is uh, pretty exciting. And he's somebody that uh, Francona has heaped some praise on for his performance in spring training. Uh, and it, this, this happened in 2019. When he was uh, hadn't even played at Double A yet, I think. So this is a uh, uh, somebody that impresses uh, people like that. That's somebody that you should be paying attention to. Now the one thing with Clement is he does not really have a lot of uh, power. So I think he's hit about three home runs his entire minor league career, but uh, he very rarely strikes out. I think he's kept his strikeout rate below seven percent his entire run, although even including Double uh, A and a. Uh, very brief stint to triple a so my kind of guy when yeah if you have a decent on base ability decent stolen base ability uh you you can make good contact and you can play multiple positions you can definitely have uh, a role in cleveland so that's why they uh didn't want him getting taken in the rule five draft so they added tito also
0: loves those kinds of players (laughs) so
1: uh, he'll he'll have an opportunity to be our utility man entering this season. I mean, I think depending on what they do with Rosario, Rosario could be a, our utility guy or starting every day. I'm not sure yet. Or they could trade him. Who knows?
0: <laughs> I could see a but, situation where he's in the lineup every day, but we use him pretty flexibly.
1: Yeah. I thought if they hadn't signed or re-signed Cesar Hernandez, that uh, Clement was going to be either the front runner for the utility role or would be competing for that second base job starting. So you know, he, he he has the right approach. He has an approach that they like where somebody that's not going to give away at bats with uh, strikeouts.
0: So were there any other standout guys there that you wanted to touch on before we wrapped up with some of the outfielders who were close, but not quite there. And I do have one guy I sort of want to oddly gush about in outfielders. So,
1: <laughs> Okay. So I'll, I'll keep it brief, but um, I like Richard Palacios a lot. Um, I think we've touched on him a little bit, but this is a guy that, you know, we gave uh, Owen Miller a lot of hype and he made it into our uh, top 20 prospects as one of the returns in the Clevenger trade. But Palacios has the very similar uh, pedigree where, you know, a college middle infield prospect that got drafted by Cleveland and immediately started hitting. I mean, he raked at every level. I don't know why they started him at the AZL after they drafted him, but he put up a 281 WRC plus in the AZL. Ah. <laughs> 281. So for people that don't understand what WRC plus is, if your WRC plus is 100, then you are league average. So if it's 200, you are twice as good as the average player so he was almost three times better than the average player in the AZL in his time there so they promoted him to uh, uh low a Mahoning Valley puts up a 208 wrc plus there so they're like okay well you know and they just drafted him so they're like okay fine we'll move him up to full season and then he puts up a 109 in Lake County. Uh, So he was above average in full season ball the year he was drafted. So, I mean, this guy was, yeah, this guy was on track to have an absolute rocket strapped to him. And then he tore his labrum in uh, entering the 2019 season, missed the entire season. So finally gets healthy. Like I'm seeing all these art, these uh, videos from like uh, Todd Paquette, Indians Pro on Twitter saying, oh, look, he's, he's ready to go for the 2020 season. And then we get a global pandemic. So he hasn't played in two years, but this guy should be at least double a, if not triple a, uh, ready to go. So I think that he's somebody that you cannot sleep on. Um, but you might not remember him because we haven't seen him play in three in over two years, but. If he picks up where he left off, he's somebody to be excited about.
0: Yeah, I I had missed keeping track of his ascent through the system. So hopefully he's healthy and is truly ready to go.
1: All right, let's hear it. Who is your outfielder that you are hype?
0: Uh, Steven Kwan, for some Ooh. reason. And it's interesting because as you posted, like he posted a reasonable two eighty, three fifty 382. Good for 115 as a leadoff hitter. Like there's nothing about him that really jumps off the page in any way, but he seems to do everything pretty well. Like I, I if I understand, he's a pretty good defensive outfielder and center. He's not elite, but he could play there at the major league level. He doesn't hit a ton, but he's got decent contact skills. He gets on base at a decent clip. Like if he continues to develop Like he's he's gonna he'll make an impact, I think, at the major league level. He just really hasn't had a chance to do it at a higher level in the system yet.
1: What impressed me was he put up those numbers and they they moved him to high A. He never played at Lake County single A. So he skipped that entirely and then did that. So that's similar to where we heap the praise on like Bo Naylor for putting up an above average season at Lake County after never playing low A as a prep player. Well, with Steven Kwan, they skipped an entire full season level for him. They just went, you know what? Straight to high A. And he did that. Um, And he, and not just that, he walked more than he struck out. So another one of those, you know, Clement level, he's not quite as difficult to strike out as Clement, but the fact that he is patient enough to walk more than he strikes out as a leadoff, type of hitter. That's that's exciting. And he won the college they won the college world series that year too. So he was on the college world series winning team as their leadoff hitter. And that also meant that he had a late start to his pro career because he was still playing when they drafted him. <laughs> like his season was still going. Like the, the college world series was still going, yeah. So uh no no I I absolutely am with you. I like Steven Kwan a lot. He's he's a he's a good player. He makes good contact He gets on base like he kind of the only thing he hasn't done so far is hit for power. And he's probably not going to.
0: Yeah, but But, who cares?
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, as a center fielder, you're not expecting a guy to, you know, hit 20 home runs. I mean, that's a huge bonus if they do. But if he does everything else, um, then that's great. I mean, Cesar Hernandez didn't hit, you know, double digit home runs last year, but he was near the top of the order as a switch hitter that consistently got on base and was one of the league and led the league in doubles.
0: Oh, he had a so ton of doubles. That's
1: exactly what we wanted. So that, that's what this guy kind of brings. I think.
0: It'd be, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see him in Columbus at some point this season. I feel like he could reasonably be there for a good chunk of the season. And I'd be fun to go watch him play. Uh, he definitely,
1: I mean, he's at least going to start at double a, but he has a, the only reason he might not start straight away in Columbus is, uh They're probably going to have somebody, whoever doesn't make the team as some of our like quad a uh, outfield prospects, like the Daniel Johnsons, Bradley Zimmers, Mercados, whoever Jake Bowers, oh, I guess Jake Bowers won't because he's out of options, but some of out of that group is going to be playing Columbus outfield, Nolan Jones, will be playing Columbus outfield. And then you've got guys like Connor Maribel, Trenton Brooks, Mitch Longo.
0: And we'll probably sign somebody random like Will Venable again, who'll just be around at AAA for a while, and we forget about him.
1: I, I, we've got too many guys that can play college outfield. Where I'm hoping we don't sign some minor league depth guy like that. Just, I think that would just be eating up a spot. So I'm hoping they don't do that. I mean, you do that with like a a veteran catcher, you know, somebody that you can trust to get called up if you need them. Um, but we have too many, like maybe not elite prospect outfielders at that high level, but guys that can fill that gap. So, but no, no, I, I am totally with you. Stephen Kwan, I think he's extremely underrated. Like if he, you know, went to the uh, pump some iron in the, uh, in the last two years that we haven't year and a half that we haven't seen him and comes out and starts cranking some dingers. Uh, watch out. I'll say that. that
0: he would quickly become an elite prospect if he had power, I mm-hmm. think, but mhm. Who else do you have uh, on this list that jumps out at you? I'd say, uh, probably
1: Jonathan Rodriguez. he's somebody that hasn't really gotten a ton of hype. Um, you know, he was in that same draft that Tyler Freeman was in. Um, so Freeman got all the love. And then, you know, we had Quentin Holmes in there as like the fastest player in that draft that was actually drafted ahead of Freeman um so people were kind of honing in on him as a as a prospect and rodriguez was like our number 19 prospect on the lgt rankings back-to-back years but all he's done is post uh above 100 wrcs at every level he's played including his best uh season in 2019 when he played uh at Mahoning Valley for people that are worried that maybe, you know, his development has been slow. Yes, it has been, but he was the youngest player I think drafted in the, the uh, 2017 draft. Uh, I think he was barely 17 when they drafted him out of uh, the Puerto Puerto Rico, like the Carlos Beltran Puerto Rico Academy posted improving numbers every year. And he actually started to show some power, which was what people said he could do. Uh, I think he he cranked like six home runs in 2019 in a short season, so he's going to be making his full season debut this year, and I'm really excited to see what he brings. So he's going to be one of those lower level guys that has a chance to have a breakout season. Like I feel like the 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 things are in place, the dominoes are in place for him to have a really good year. So like he's got all the peripherals. And if he just it puts it together, he could definitely do it.
0: It would be nice to have uh, a handful of these outfield prospects come to the major league level and stay there for a while and not get hurt or discarded or abducted or otherwise dismantled.
1: Yeah, I'd say the other one is Alex Free Plainez. Now, First this of guy all, is like, yeah,
0: eighty grade name. Yes, you may continue. He
1: is all over the place in terms of prospect rankings. I've seen some people have him in their top 100 overall in all, all of baseball. Yeah. I've seen some lists. Uh, Some lists have him as a top five prospect in the Cleveland system. Some of them barely have him ranked at all. Like we haven't seen him for a lot yet. Like he had one season in the DSL that was above average. And then he had a very good start to 2019, similar to like George Valera did uh, back in 2018 And then he broke his handmade bone the exact same way, like just boom. After six games, he was done. But this guy, he's also like a man of mystery because I've seen reports that he's six foot two, 180 pounds. I've seen reports he's like six foot five, like 220. Do we know that he exists? (laughs) He might be like a chameleon, Um, but if he grew the way that they're saying he grew, I mean, he's still just 19 years old uh, and he might even oh, be bigger entering this year. Um, like this guy immediately becomes an impact uh, bat. Like if he can um, utilize the the monstrous plus power that he possesses and um, the contact skills, uh, I think that he's somebody that could become like out of nowhere, one of our better prospects. It just depends. Like we I just we just don't know that much about him yet, but I expect he'll also probably start the year at full season, like the very lowest level of full season, but I think he'll be there. Um and he's somebody that potentially could be really exciting this
0: year. Here's what happens. <clears throat> we get another scouting report that says like 68 265. At which point he's just LeBron. Like Richie
1: Sexton out there in the outfield.
0: Well, I I mean, like, peak LeBron, like, at his athletic best. He's just out there swinging a baseball bat, makes contact. How far do you think LeBron, in his peak, in his prime, could have hit a baseball? I need to know how far Brian thinks LeBron James can hit a baseball. 500 feet? No, I I,
1: don't—I'm not sure, but I know, like, LeBron, you know, did play uh, high school football, and he was, like, insane—
0: it would have been impossible to cover in high school because yeah, he was a receiver what, he was, <laughs> yeah, he's a six six dude who can jump forty five inches six like, eight no. he was six eight. Oh, was he already that tall <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, with his athleticism, yeah, I have no idea.
0: I see him being like an angry Frank Thomas kind of hitter if he'd have played baseball, you know, like you're afraid to pitch to LeBron James.
1: Uh, Planez did crank nine home runs in the DSL back in 2018, which is a lot. Like most guys, there's very rarely get that close to double digits. Uh, You know, because that's usually 17. He did it as a 17 year old or maybe late 16 year old. So, and that's pro baseball. I mean, it's not the highest level of pro baseball. No, I'm telling you, this guy, keep your eyes peeled because, like, ML like milb.com has him listed at six two one eighty. They are going to be changing that soon. I guarantee it after he debuts in full season.
0: As mentioned this article about the position players and another one about the pitchers is live on let's go tribe.com. We're also doing the over under series for players on the active roster or uh, I think it's the active roster. I know it's the active roster. It could extend to the 40-man roster. I should know. But that's I an ongoing that, series that's great.
1: Yeah, this is the first year you guys have been doing that, and it's awesome. Like, I'm loving the pro-con argument, the the voting. Um, you guys are doing a really good job. And it was a great way to start it. I think, who was the first one you did? Tristan McKenzie? So... I think uh, it was a great way to start it because I think the projection systems were way off with McKenzie. So.
0: And then, yeah, so there's there's a lot of great content on the website. You can always listen to the other podcast, of course, the main Mothership podcast with Matt and Merritt Rolfing. This week, mm. they were talking about Brian Shaw and the crucial <laughs> signing of Heath Hembry. So, and you can always reach us. We're on Twitter. There's at Let's Go Tribe. I'm just at Matt Schlichting. You'll find me. Is yeah, your main one at Tribe Time LGT now?
1: I've got two. I've got a, t- a Twitter that's focused on I- Cleveland, like Indians, which is at Tribe Time LGT, and I think the account that's connected to Let's Go Tribe is my at Brian Heminger, which you'll see a lot more coverage of like my day to day job. So if you if you're interested in North Central Ohio high school basketball for uh, boys and girls, you'll be getting some uh, recaps of that. Or me talking about cage fighting because I'm following a whole bunch of like MMA stuff on that too. So for those interested, those are that's the that's what that other account talks about.
0: Yeah, so you know where to find us. We'll be here again soon next week, and I believe that now it is time for a poem from the Immaculate Ee Gamings. I kicked the incredibly skillful ant. The tiger is like a spoiled corkscrew that whimsical sabermetricians respect.